my filters, my filters, my filters, my filters, my filters. And we're back. Yeah. A Pulp MX Network production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Keeper Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things motocentric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Keeper Tested. Here he is, Chris Keeper. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. This is the Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by Fly Racing and Racetech. Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side by sides, ATVs, and street bikes. Low prices, unparalleled customer service, and free three day shipping over $75. That's $75. It's so easy to see why RockyMountainATVMC.com is the trusted online source for all of us out there. And as you guys know, you can go to KieferInkTesting.com, click on the Rocky Mountain ATV banner, and that helps us on the back end. You guys have been doing that. It's been working. Went out riding over the weekend, saw lots of bikes, a lot of people out riding, so that means you guys are buying parts, which is very cool. It's good for our industry, good for our sport, so thank you guys. Fly Racing, flyracing.com. The guy in the studio right now wears flyracing.com, and he is never going back. He's worn other, he's mixed matched his way all over hell, but now he's fly racing and he's not going back, people. So go to flyracing.com, check out the full line of off road and moto gear, snowmobile. If it's still snowing where you are, Colorado had a blizzard last night, so I know there's snow out there. BMX, whatever you guys want to do, hit up flyracing.com. Racetech. Chris over there, if you guys want a discount code, Chris R at Racetech.com. That dude is awesome. He is great. Or just hit me up on my email. We can get you dialed in. You want suspension done, engine serviced. Guy right here may need an engine service pretty soon because the hours are racking up on his bike. But go check him out, Racetech.com. They do great work, great people over there. And, of course, tell him Kiefer sent you. Get a little kickback. That's right. Okay. Matt Survey. <laughs> Why do you ever put like when you're in school, my buddy Matt, but his last name is spelled Suravog and looks like Vaj. So we just call him Vaj. That's what everybody knows you as, right? Yeah, every everybody. Vaj, yes. He usually is pretty like wow, he's he's wound up usually, but when he gets in the studio for some reason he just gets clams up. Like he doesn't really talk and he's like really robotish. And he it's gets, hot, I'm getting super sweaty red. right now. I'm I'm sweaty and you need to turn the AC on. <laughs> We're here today to talk about the 2020 FC 450, basically living with this machine. It has 63 hours on this thing, so I wanted, basically with all these bikes that I go through, most of them, I'm not going to say all of them, most of them almost usually have 50 hours or more on it. I know my Yamaha has damn near 80 hours, KTM's already up there, this Husky went over 63 hours, so... Usually we try to do a 50-hour mark on this podcast to give you some updates, what you've done. I sold, or actually I didn't, Husqvarna sold my test bike that we used for a little bit to you, and uh, I had about 13 hours on it, Matt bought it, now we're at 63, so you've been putting in some time on this thing. Yeah, I've been putting in a lot of time, which is good. I mean, I love the bike, It's I'm comfortable on it, and for me, it's... Uh... 
money well spent, that's for sure. That that leads me to this point here. So you were a Honda guy, then you were a 350 guy, then you went back to a 450, and now we're at the Husky. So is this something that you would purchase again? Because I know most – I'm not – maybe not most. A lot of people are brand-specific consumers. Like if you're a Yamaha guy, you're a Yamaha guy. If you're a Honda guy, I'm going to get three, four, five years – of Hondas, and then maybe down the road I might switch. You've been kind of the guy, and I don't know if you were like this before you met me, but you've been jumping around from different color to different color in every two years or so. Yeah, I've been hopping around. I, I started off as a Suzuki guy, then I got a good deal on a Cowie, and I'm like, ooh, Kawasaki. And then I went to Yamaha, and then to Honda. <laughs> right, dang. And uh, I was on Honda, and now I'm I'm Husky for right now. So you're like the Chad Reed of consumers. Like <laughs> you just go through all different kinds of brands. <laughs> yeah, you damn. So you are you more of the consumer? Because this is good for me to know, actually. So are you more, um, what I can get the best deal on kind of guy? Or are you like, hey, I'm actually reading reviews, and then I'm going to buy the best bike for me? It's a little of both. You know, what's funny is even though if I just bought this Husky right now. I'm still waiting for every review on every new bike, and I want to see where my bike I bought ranked, and mm-hmm. I want to see what they thought of other bikes. So it's a little bit of all price, of course, plays a factor into it. You know, if I was buying this bike outright brand new off the showroom floor, you know, maybe I wouldn't have bought this bike. Mm-hmm. But seeing it was used, so I got a little bit of a deal, and I loved the bike, I went for it. You know, my last Honda drove halfway across the United States just to get a deal yeah, and save right. some money. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about so, that. Yep. Well... Okay, so that leads me to this to this point. So now that you have this Husqvarna FC450, before, I guess what my question is, you, you rode one before, obviously you bought one because you were with me. Yes. So is that is the deciding factor because you actually got to ride it and say, like, I felt good on it and that's what I want? Yeah, so I would probably have stuck with Honda because I didn't know any better. That's what I rode. I was comfortable. It was good. But, of course... Being blessed, being around Chris Kiefer, I get to try other brands. And as much as I love the Honda, Cowie, they're all good. I just really gelled with the Husky, and that's what made me go, hey, if I didn't get to ride this bike, don't know if I would have bought one. But since I rode it and I had such a good time on it and I felt like it advanced my riding a little bit, I was like, I'm I'm all in. That makes me always think about, like, what our industry would be like if we were more like the car industry. Where we had these, I know we can't, is it's a lot of liability, but how much that would change and how much the brand sales would flip flop if people got to ride the bikes before they bought them. I always think about that because I'm like, I know Honda sales are really good, Yamaha sales are up, and shit, KTM's been doing really good too, but I wonder if people actually got to go test a Suzuki and then feel hey hey you know a lot of us assholes out there talk shit on the bike but that's probably fine for them so i wonder if suzuki sales would go up sometimes i always wonder by what we feel as the media like i wonder if we're detrimental to the brand you could be you know it's it's just like car you have guys like like me i was always a chevy guy I finally drove a Ford. So is that more, but is that more because your dad guy. is a Chevy guy and that's yeah. what you grew up in? Yeah, and I think it's the same thing. You hear a lot of people, oh, my dad rode Hondas, my dad rode this, rode that. And then 
not getting a test drive, ride something else. You just go to what's what's natural, what you've grown up with your whole life. And right. it's kind of with me with the Honda for a long time too, is because my dad was always on CR five hundred, CR two. He always had Hondas, you know. Okay. Then when you get to open up and ride other bikes, you're like, wow, these, these other bikes are pretty good. Right. It leads me to think of how Aiden's going to be when he gets older because he sees all these different colored bikes. So I don't think he's going to be a brand specific dude, even though. You know, if Dad does ride Yamaha's mo- on his own time a lot, which I do appreciate that bike. So I wonder if he'll be like, "Oh, I'm a Yamaha guy," because he he likes his KTM 125, but now he likes his YZ 125 because Dad saw him ride and, and influenced him to go that way. But that's just simply because I think he rides yeah, it better. But he's like you, so you are. One day you're all about a KTM. Two days later, you yeah. ride the Yamaha. You're on the Yamaha. Yeah. Aiden's the same way. He gets on his KTM. I love this. This is it. This is it for the rest of the year. <laughs> Two weeks later, he's on the Yamaha. No, this is it. Forget that bike. This right. is it. And yeah. he's the same thing. So when he rides each bike, he goes back and, and forth. And that always reminds me to you know tell people that's how good all these bikes are. You can make them good, right? Yeah. Um, some more than others. Honda takes a little bit more effort to make good, but you can make it good. It takes money. But it's just how much time and money you're willing to spend on these bikes because they're all pretty close. Unlike when I started testing back in early 2000s there's a, a lot of separation between bikes the ktm was a piece of shit like even the guys at ktm the media guys would be like yeah it's what do you want to do it's not gonna make a difference like don't you don't need to change anything <laughs> we're still gonna get last like we're not gonna win because you're gonna change two clicks no you know so all these bikes are close you chose that because you could ride it hard because yeah. i feel like i've been around you long enough so it's a linear delivery um even though you've lost, what, 20-some pounds? Yeah, I started uh, probably beginning of the year. I was right around 220 pounds, and last night I was 189 pounds, yeah, butt-ass naked. See, he's uh, taking some of my philosophy about eating. You know, Don't eat. I don't really <laughs> I have breakfast before I leave for testing, and then I'm gone a half-damn day, right? Yep. And then I don't eat until I get home. So you're just six, seven hours, which is... Water and maybe a bar or something. So yeah, exactly. That's Living my life. like a cactus. That's my, I'm a cactus. I live the cactus life. Maybe that should be a diet. We should start should like the cactus the life diet, <laughs> like six minute abs. Yeah, <laughs> just be rich. It's six hours, seven hour. Don't eat and yeah. fast. I <laughs> know. Shit. All right. So the FC 450. Matt has been uh, riding the sucker a lot. He, uh, you're a weekend warrior. You know, and you go, you work all week. You go either go a race. Obviously, we ain't doing f- nothing now. I was gonna say <laughs> yeah. something else. We're doing the. We're Honda not doing Valley anything Nationals. now, but uh, you do try to ride one or once or twice a week. Yeah, I, I try to every now and then. If I'm feeling spunky, I might squeeze one in after work. But man, lately it's been just Saturday ride or Sunday ride, whichever one. Or if not, like this weekend, I've gotten three days of riding in, which has you been did? pretty cool. Yeah, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. What did we do for? Oh yeah, we did go Friday. Yeah, oh, yeah. Friday. Forgot about that when Oreo got lost. That's a whole other story. I'll save for later. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> all right. So, what have you done to this bike? What any accessories, mods, things that you've done to this bike since I gave it to you? Well, one is bars. Okay. And uh, that wasn't. A, I'm going to upgrade the bar. It was had a crash, bent the bars, so went with some uh, Pro Taper Fusions. Okay. And, and uh, did you bend the bar mounts? Oh, yeah, bent the mar- bar mounts too. Yeah, yeah those of... things are easy to bend, dude. That's one thing about Huskies and KTMs, those bar mounts. They used to have – they don't anymore. And correct me if I'm wrong because you'll know. The bar mounts are two pieces. They don't have that solid top over the top anymore, correct? 
They do. They, have they the, do have yeah, them. Yeah, but it's thin. Okay. But there isn't one underneath on my bike. It's just two separate mounts, and then the top is actually together. So in small crashes, this and that, you're not going to, like, tweak everything. It's still going to twist but, anyway because it's so yeah, thin on top. Yeah. Which, it's just aluminum. I don't know, man. For you guys out there listening, I don't care. Like, I would rather bend bar mounts than have a rigid top clamp feel, for me at least. Um, granted, I'm not a huge crasher, and when I do, it's a good one, and I'll change them out. But I'd rather have that than have a bar mount that is super rigid and harsh to the touch. Why do you pick crossbar over non-crossbar? Uh, two reasons. One is I think it looks better. Okay. Just it's aesthetically pleasing to me. I like looking at it a crossbar. That's it so does. random. Dude. I know. It's just I look at it. I see a bike with and without. I like the look of a crossbar. Okay. Um, second thing is it's kind of a mental thing for me. I feel a crossbar is stronger. It's not going to break. Mm-hmm. I've never broken a bar. I'll probably never break a bar. Right. But in my head, it's just I see a crossbar and it's kind of comforting to see that. Even though the more bikes I ride with you that don't have them, I'm getting used to no crossbar. Duh. Does it matter which bike? Because for me, it no, does a little bit. Really? No, because I did the same. The Honda had a crossbar. Every bike I have personally had and put a bar on, I've always had a crossbar. See, I'm more crossbar less. I feel like I can get up on the, the front of the bike more because there's nothing there. And just in case I send it one day and I crash, uh, thing's not there anymore. So I don't have to worry about it. I have a little bit more room to get my feet over the bars in case I got to jump off or something. Well, we know how flexible I am. So I probably can't get my feet up and stiff. Uh, I'm not getting my feet over those honestly, bars. Honestly, that's way. how I, I collapsed my lung and broke my elbow. So when I endowed, I tried to jump away and off of the bike, but my boots, my feet caught the crossbar because I had a crossbar on and pitched me forward. So all of my weight came down on my ribs and my elbow. And broke me all to hell. I kind of whipped you into the so ground. So I just needed a couple more inches, just like yeah, we all do. Yes. So maybe that's. Uh, so bars. What else? Uh, went up a spring rate on uh, the rear. From so going from... stock is a forty-five. Okay. And I went to a forty-eight. Okay. So that was when you're two twenty. Yes. And now I'm still that riding it. Okay. So now that you're one ninety, have you noticed any change? I haven't because I've kind of slowly lost the weight. So it wasn't like all of a sudden I dropped 30, 40 pounds. Right. You probably noticed that, but since it's two pounds here, I haven't. And I thought about, I'm getting light enough of going back to the stock spring Mm -hmm. just to see. Right. Just haven't done it yet. So guys out there listening, if you are two bills, you can change, go up a spring weight to a, sorry, what? To a 48. 48. Yes. Spring from a four five. Yes. Correct. Um, and it's funny because I think in 2019 they went up from a four two, yes, to a four five. So now we're even go up higher. So guys like Vaj here may come up short on a jump, may go long on a jump most of the time. So you need a little extra spring to when you slap down. But if you guys end up going to a rear spring, and I guess you have some settings here, but I would back off your compression a little bit just to start out with when you have a heavier spring. And use that as your new baseline and then move from there because obviously you're going to have a stiffer overall feel when you go to a spring. Um, Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Keep going. Pretty much that is it. We do have a uh, ride engineering link and knuckle that we just threw on there. Yep, so that will be tested up soon. Yes, that is being tested Along with Mark's from REP, he has a knuckle and a link. And they can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure the arm length are the same on both. The knuckles are different, so we'll try to compare those on a future podcast or in the articles. But also, you have an FMF system that obviously was on there when you yes. got the bike. Yep. Full system, and 
we have remapped, and I want to talk about this leading to this, what you're going to say. We have remapped the stock ECU. So it's more along the lines of the 2020.5 Rockstar Edition. And I kind of had some <laughs> some back-end help with that. When I got this bike, they, I already kind of knew the direction that uh, Husqvarna and the ECU guys over there were going to go. So we mapped this uh, Husqvarna that Matt has right now for that. So if you guys are looking to remap your, your stock ECU and you haven't done that yet, that does help. I know leading into some problems that we've had with this bike, we're going to talk about that. I have got a lot of emails about this bike stalling. And you've never had that problem. No, I have never had that problem. So with the stock ECU, for whatever reason, I have had people change fuel filters, fuel pumps, uh, stators, electrical, because they would have the the bike would just randomly stop. So some have done it on the stand. Some have done it just in a corner. Some guys say that they felt it off a jump. It's hard for me to trust them because I don't know. I've never seen it. Um, I've never had that happen to me personally until last week. Never had it done. Never had it happen to me. It, what it does, and I've talked to some people, and they, they said it's in the ECU system. What it does, and some bikes do it and some bikes don't, so I'm not going to sit here and say all Husqvarna's do it because you've had an experience it. I haven't experienced it up until now, but just randomly last week, I had the bike, um, I was pulling up to talk to my wife after doing some laps, and it just kind of sputtered and died. I tried to start it right up, boom, started right up. It was clean, nothing was wrong, I have no idea. So speaking with some ECU guys and Chad over there at XPR, which is a really good dude, you've met Chad before, really you know, particular with things, great on ECUs, he's done a lot of my builds over here. He says it has to do something with that ECU. It has to be. That's the only thing it could that it could be. We've ruled out a lot of other things. So getting this remapped to a uh, 2020.5 map can help. I haven't had that problem with either that bike and that ECU, the 2020.5, or going to a Vortex. I go to a Vortex with these bikes anyway just because I want some more power. I don't know how much time. Have you spent time on a Vortex? I have yet to ride one. It's on my, I keep thinking, should I do it with this bike or wait till I buy my next new bike and mm -hmm. then just, ah, just well, send see, the it. Good news but... is, the, the good news is that you can roll your, your EC over to the next bike. Yeah, that is true. So 800, 1,000 bucks, ECUs are really good. These two bikes, the KTM and the Husqvarna, react really well to a Vortex Ignition. Unlike what I'm finding out with the Yamaha where it's really, really tough to make it better than what we can work with with the stock ECU. So if you guys are having some problems with stalling, and I'm not saying it's going to happen to you or it, if it hasn't, then just keep living your life because just like I have because I've gotten a few emails over the course of a, several months, eight months, and I'm just saying, hey, man, I can't really help you because I've never experienced it and no one's telling me anything. So... As of right now, I would uh, just resume normal programming and do what you're going to do. But if you do have that experience, maybe try getting your stock ECU remapped or going to a Vortex Ignition. Try to quarterback this problem a little bit more later in a future article, but I just really haven't seen it or even dealt with it just that one time. So 
we will see from here. So leading to the problems with this bike, reliable bike besides one one thing. Yeah. But we, you haven't had any problems with it. You ride a lot. You have all your service interval changes, oil changes that you do down here. Um, so what exactly happened to this thing? And what hour was it? Do you remember? So I, right, I believe it was like 52 hours in. Uh, we go to Glen Helen, and I'm just first lap, just sight lap, coming down Mount St. Helens, fall at the bottom of Mount St. Helens, and I'm like, man, my dumbass popped this thing into neutral. Like, right. really? That's what it feels like. Yeah, and then it was just in neutral running. It wouldn't go into any other gear, and I was kind of bummed. like, man, got this bike. It freaking broke. And right. Push it all. So now, you know me. I'm even more pissed now. I'm freaking pushing the thing quarter mile to get back to the truck. And uh, a couple guys, Gary was there, and a couple other guys saying they've heard of this happening. And uh, as soon as I got home, I pretty much you guys told me look at the uh, shift locating drum. Right. So as soon as I took the clutch out and look, you can see one of the little prongs on the shift locating drum was broke off. So it wasn't wouldn't able to let you select a gear. It was just stuck in neutral. So now you're tripping because you think that thing's somewhere in your engine. Yeah. So that's the big thing. I'm like, not this thing being broke is that little piece is somewhere in the motor. And I'm like, great. I'm going to be fishing this thing out with a magnet or something for a long time. And luckily pulled the clutch basket out and it was sitting right, right on the side in a little crevice. So Ugh. that was a big uh, moment of relief. Cause I'm like, well, it doesn't matter if I know it's broke now because I can't have that thing apart. flying around. Right. So, yeah. So he got lucky there, but that is the only thing out of the 63 hours that's happened. I mean, obviously, that's not a minor thing because it could have been pretty bad if that thing would have went down in the low end. But um, I haven't. Uh, Gary has. I haven't really seen it, and I'm. I feel like I'm fairly hard on bikes. I haven't had any happen to my KTM or Husqvarna. Um, they share the same part, so. Um, Again, we just want to let you guys know what goes on. But how often, what kind of guy are you for maintenance? What's the schedule, what you did? So I try to change my oil every three to four hours. Uh, I'm not riding nearly as hard as you, rev limit or any of that. I'm hitting the rev limiter? Uh, A-ray? Yeah, when you're trying to go A-ray and uh, (laughs) in competition, yeah. Did you hear about that? No. Not to get off the subject here. but Change subject. They fucked me. How'd they fuck you? They went off a of lap 99 on the Lip Pro. So lap 99 on Lip Pro is your, your um, what is the word? Like a combined? No, it's the um, what Lip Pro assumes you will be getting if you stick to the your best speed or whatever. Mm. It's your you know proposed time. Well, that's what they circled and, and, and they used. not And they didn't know, yeah. but they fucked me because I used my best lap because I know lap 99 wasn't the actual lap. Yeah. So I still didn't win, but I was 2.5 off of A-Ray, which originally we agreed or we're going to agree about three seconds. So I would have won, but he talked me down after he saw practice. He's a better negotiator. He's got Kelly, dude. Oh, yeah. Don't ever take a bet with Kelly. <laughs> so it was two seconds, and then I was almost uh, – I was 11 seconds better than Steve, so I was closer. Yeah. So these guys can suck it, man, because they're too much a bunch of a pussies to come down here and race me. I've asked them several times; they won't do it. Yeah. So you went. Uh, hey, you went to their stomping grounds. It's time for them to come to yours. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, your oil changes has made me think of this. So yeah, as you saw from uh, what I do is I have my cabinet and yep. I write my hours on there just because it's a spot I always look. I go to get tools, I look, and I go, oh, fourteen hours. How many are on my bike? And I change the oil. So. I try to go every three to four hours, change the oil. What and, oil are you running? Uh, it's been different oil, but lately it's been blood for probably 
for a while now. At least half of this engine life has been blood lubricants. So I basically Matt helps me with my test bikes here. So we go through Firepower oil. We have yep. that. That's been really good. I use that a lot, and also uh, blood lubricants. Jeff over there is a, you know they have great oil. So those are the two oils that I've been sticking with. Fairly inexpensive oil, unlike others, like you were talking about, Motul is super expensive. Yeah. It's, Almost all oil seems like it's expensive. And for me, like, not all the time you're getting what you pay for in oils. So if people ask me and email, hey, what oil am I running? Those are the two oil companies that I'm running, and it's a blood is a 1040 synthetic. Yes. And the firepower is also 1040. 1040. But um, those are the two that we've been running. So... Every three to five hours? Yeah, I, I think I've. if I look through my uh, stuff here, I, I went six hours one time, but typically every three to four hours, I will change the oil. Every other oil change, I will do an oil filter. Mm, okay. And then an air filter is kind of like wash the bike, look at it, looks dirty, wash it or put a new one in, or, you know, that's just one of those things. Just I just look at it every time I wash the bike to see. And that's another thing too is, I don't have. I stopped putting the side plate on that had the holes drilled. Oh, you did? Closed one, it? Yeah, closed it for two reasons. Okay, go ahead. One being it mellowed the power out for me, mm-hmm. so it wasn't so aggressive. Mm-hmm. Two is my filters last a lot longer before I need them cleaned. Really? Yeah. All right, so let's talk a little bit about gearing. I know we talked about this before the show. I've been on a 1452. I've tried that. Current FC450 and KTMs are 1349. You're on a 1348 because you had to get a sprocket, and that's what you're on now. But how many chain sprockets have you gone through? Tell me about your gearing choice and for the guys out there as well. Like, is 1348 even – because that's an old spec. Is that even feasible anymore? It is feasible. So uh, the bike started off as a 1349, and I ran that till it was chain and sprocket time. And right around 32 hours, I needed chain and sprockets, and I remembered on your bike we did a 1452. Mm Mm-hmm. You weren't a fan of it. We took it off. Right. So I was like, hey, I have these sprockets and chain here. Let me throw that on. So when I threw that on my bike, I wasn't a fan. Now, Yeah, why didn't you like it? I can tell you why I didn't. But For me, it was the handling of the bike, and I didn't notice a lot with the pull of the motor. Okay. It it brought the rear axle in, Mm -hmm. and I lost whatever cornering I had with that bike. I felt like it wouldn't lay over and stay laid over. Whenever I rode the bike and when I was working up north riding Riverfront and E Street, I was like, I'm selling this bike. I'm over it. I, I don't know what to do. I was messing with clickers. And then I thought, hey, I changed the gearing right. and it brought the axle in. So I went back to a 1349, mm-hmm. brought the axle back out, right. and my cornering came back on that bike. <clears throat> so just for you guys out there listening and we're going to – so speaking of his experience, 1452 for me – I was more opposite of you where I didn't feel like um, my engine delivery was as good. I feel like lost a little bit of recovery, but I like the chassis feel for me over acceleration. That I like that a lot, but I also managed to get my wheel back at one point in time because – you know, we cut the chain a certain length and it was really far back. Yeah, you're kind of like in between <clears throat> to where you're not going to be in the middle. It's You add a link, you're toward the back half. You take a link out, you're all the way pushed forward. So this is one of those cases, and the half link would probably be good. Right. So there's a measurement that I always talk about. The measurement is 615 millimeter to 630, 5, 630 millimeters from 
the pivot bolt, center of the pivot bolt, back to the swing arm bolt. That is an important measurement for handling for this bike. It really helps us. So what you did, and you didn't measure it because we talked about this before the show, but I would assume moving that back puts you in that range, and that's where this, you know, with the fork height at the second line. I was, I was on the first line. The first line. So you yes. even dropped them down. Yes. So I'm more of on the second line type of guy, and that's stock. So he dropped them down, which I have done to the Rockstar Edition this, this year, and I like that at Glen Helen. So stability helps cornering as well. He said it cornered a little better. In theory, if you look at the measurements, you're thinking, oh, how does that corner better? Because it probably can drop into the corner more efficiently, have more stability coming in. So therefore, your area two to three will be better because the entrance is more calm. And that's probably what it's doing for you, especially for guys that are struggling with corners, right? Yes, exactly. Hey, man, commercial time. You need to support the sponsors that are supporting us out there. Spend your well-earned money where it counts. All-American Chevrolet in Colleen, Texas is a proud supporter of Keeper Inc. and invites everyone to experience the difference for all of your Chevy sales and service needs. Mention Keeper Inc. and get 50% off your next oil change and a front end alignment at no charge. Remember, whether you're hauling your bikes to the weekend track, trail, or race, or commuting to the job that pays for your moto habit, we have the truck to get you there in style. Visit us online anytime at ChevyColleen.com. That's All-American Chevrolet of Colleen. Chevy, find new roads. FMF, fast mother bleep, nah, flying machine factory, that's what it stands for, go to fmfracing.com, you got a four stroke, two stroke, they've got what you need, trust me, older two stroke pipes and silencers, they have it, they still make them, you got a newer four stroke, you want some extra horsepower, they got that too, but most importantly, if you guys want to look cool at the track, maybe you want to make your chick look cool. You want to wear a cool hat, or you're a two-stroke guy, and you want a shirt that says mixing gas and hauling ass. Go to fmfracing.com. They got a whole merch section. Trust me, it's real. there's a lot of stuff over there. It looks pretty cool. So Kiefer Inc. 19 saved you some money on the merch. I suggest you go do it. I have a two-stroke shirt, and I don't even wear freaking two-stroke shirts. That's how cool this thing is. So. Go to fmfracing.com, save yourself some money, and of course, if you have any problems, you have any concerns, hit me up, chris at keyforinktesting.com, and hopefully I can guide you in the right direction on FMF products. I know a lot about them, so trust me, they're good, quality built. There's even a guy back in the dining room you probably never heard of. His name is George. He is a wizard. He is the one just grinding away, doing all of the dyno testing, handing the the stuff off to me at times to test. He's a smart dude. FMFRacing.com. Go visit the site. It's a cool site. Go get some merch. Save yourself some money with Kiefer Inc. Thank you, guys. Just because you're older, guys, doesn't mean you should stop racing. Look, I'm 43 years old. I love racing. I love it. So there is a club, Old Timers MX. More importantly, Oregon Old Timers MX. There are some races happening that are fun. You get long motos, and you get to hang out with your buddies and go home happy. Your wife will be happy because you'll be happy. So do it. Arizona Canyon MX Park, February 29th through March 1st. And then we got another one coming up, SoCal Glen Helen. Oh, man, you know I'll be there. April 18th to the 19th. The whole schedule is up on OregonOldTimers.com. They go to Nevada. 
They go to Montana. They go to Washington. Even British Columbia. Even Hangtown. Go check them out. OregonOldTimers.com. And if you guys end up going to these races, the first five guys that sign up and list Kiefering Testing as a sponsor, show me the proof on my email. I will reimburse your entry fee. The first five guys. That's right. That's how committed I am for you guys out there to go race. Don't be this old dude that sits at home and doesn't want to go ride, doesn't go race. Go do it. OregonOldTimers.com. Canyon's coming up. Arizona and Glen Helen. I will see you guys at Glen Helen. First five guys, show me proof. Chris at KeepRingTesting.com. I'll reimburse your entry forms. Crazy! Have you guys checked out BloodLubricants.com? If you haven't, B-L-U-D-Lubricants.com. Go check them out. Three new series of oils, Blood Power Sport Series, the Blood Racing Pro Series, and the Blood Racing Pro Elite Series. I have Michael Allen here with me. We've been doing two different types of oils in our test bike. Mike has been doing the Blood Power Sport Series. Everything going good there? Everything's going good. I use it in all our test bikes, the ones that I prep and maintain, and uh, it runs a little cooler than production oils, and uh, I know you've done some testing with that. Yeah, so basically before Jeff and the guys came on board, I had to check legitimacy of this stuff. Because um, I didn't want no crap involved in keyframe testing. Um, honestly, tried it. Was very surprised about the oil. Did some temperature readings. It was a little over 30 degrees cooler in my YZ450F compared to some other oils I've been running. So the stuff is good. They sponsor over 250 racers from Enduro, Enduro Cross, Hair Scrambles, UTVs, Supercross now. They got some Supercross guys. So go check them out. Bloodlubricants.com. Use the discount code KEFER. And get some percentage off your oils. They'll ship them to you. Probably get a hat or two. You know, Jeff's a good dude. Go check him out. Bloodlubricants.com. Screenprintingdone.com. You guys looking to make up some shirts, hoodies, or hats with a logo on it? Or maybe you want a logo made up for your business and you want to transfer that over to some t-shirts? Go to screenprintingdone.com. Neil over there is a writer. He owns the company. He is a rad human being. And he is here to hook you guys up. Order 12 shirts and get 10 for free. They have all different kinds of shirts, hoodies, hats, different fabrics, all different kinds of stuff. Go hit them up, screenprintingdone.com. Tell them Kiefer sent you and get 10 free shirts. Be sure to say Kiefer. That's right, Kiefer and screenprintingdone.com. Go check them out. Thanks, Neil. Firepowerparts.com. Excellent batteries, longer life. They're great batteries. I have them in all my test bikes. And hey, they make chains, very good chains. My chain on my YZ450F is about 12 hours deep, still good. And of course, they have oil too. Firepowerparts.com. They keep adding new products to their line. So go check out the website. It's very cool. Firepowerparts.com. Hey, you guys looking to get a KTM? You want to get the best price on one? Carson City Motorsports is Northern Nevada's largest KTM and Husqvarna dealership. That's right, Husqvarna's as well. They have the largest KTM and Husqvarna inventory around with their new 10,000-square-foot vehicle showroom, making it easy to find whatever you are looking for. Head over to Carson City Motorsports. It's the only Northern Nevada Arcticat dealership as well. And, of course... Mention my name and get a special deal on either a KTM, Articat, or a Husqvarna. Hit me up over at chris at keyforinktesting.com. 
and I'll get you in touch with the guys over at Carson City Motorsports and get you down the road with a new motorcycle. Hey, did you crash? Or maybe you're just looking for a different handlebar bend. Go to ProTaper.com and go look at the Evo and Fusion line handlebars. I run the Fusion on the KTM 450, and I run the Evo on the YZ450F. Doesn't matter what you are. You like crossbars? You don't want a crossbar? ProTaper has it. They got grips. Dude, they got some nice, soft grips. I'm a half-waffle soft guy. Greatest grips ever. Go check them out. The Race Cut grips? Come on. I am an SX Race Evo and Fusion guy, so go check them out, ProTaper.com. And if you guys are wondering about handlebar dimensions, go to KieferInkTesting.com. There's a complete article on which handlebar dimension is best for your bike. Go search around. It's a fun article. Keyfring testing, it's a great place to do it. You know what else is? ProTaper. ProTaper.com. Maybe you're at home or in the car and you listen to the Kiefer Tested Podcast. Maybe you already own a home. Maybe you're looking to purchase. You know what? Rates are down, so maybe you should try refinancing now. I know Heather and I just did. You can pull cash out, debt consolidation, or maybe you just need some credit score advice. Deal with a professional that has been in the business for 25 years. Dude. And this guy rides. He's a good dude. Zach Morris. No, not Saved by the Bell, Zach Morris. He's licensed in California, Nevada, and Colorado. You can call or text Zach at Plum Creek Funding, 720-212-4685. If you guys have any questions about Zach, hit me up, chris at keeferinktesting.com, or just simply text him yourself, 720-212-4685. Plum Creek Funding, Zach Morris. Hit him up. We're back to the show with Matt Suravog. Thanks for listening. So thirteen forty nine, we on the third set of sprockets then? Uh, yeah, I didn't have the fourteen fifty two on there for very long. So technically, I could say uh, I'm <clears throat> on my third from what was stock, and I couldn't find a forty nine tooth at our local store. Right, and I was in a hurry, didn't want to you know wait for having one to be shipped. So they had a forty eight. So I'm like, oh well, that was last year's setting. So I'll get a forty eight and threw a firepower chain on. Stock front sprocket, 13, and went with a 48 rear. Okay. So firepower chain? Firepower chain. O-ring or non-O-ring? Non-O-ring. Okay. So he's on the firepower non-O-ring. I, I run both. I like O-ring on certain bikes. For me, the firepower chain's pretty good. O-ring for like a Honda. Um, I've used the O-ring on that and also my KTMs last year. I thought they were really good. Also, DID chain, really good. ERT3. Good chain. I get a lot of those questions as well. So sprockets, man, it's tough to find an aluminum sprocket that lasts a long time. So I'm a big fan of the Yamaha stock sprockets, and they're made by Sunstar. So if you guys are out there wondering what a good sprocket is, if you're going with aluminum, Sunstar still makes really good quality anodized sprockets. Um, There's other companies out there as well. I'm not a big fan of Renthal sprockets. They're light, but they don't last as long. You can buy a twin ring where you can have aluminum pretty much body and then steel teeth. There's options out there to do that. But as of right now, we're just using aluminum sprockets. So. Yeah, I got to pick up a Pro Taper. That's okay. what's on there on the rear right now. And how is that sprocket? Good. I yeah. mean, it's a 48 tooth. I've only got maybe three, four hours on it. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how long it lasts. But right now, I mean, no complaints. Well, there you go. See, Pro Taper sponsored the show. Good sprockets. Nice. Sometimes some of you guys out there don't even know Pro Taper makes sprockets because you think handlebars only. They do make sprockets. Um, you're more of a pump gas 24-7 guy, right? You're not a T4 dude. Nope, just 91 from the pump. 
And let's talk about your suspension a little bit. Okay. So we moved on. Yes. RIP to the Air Forks. Yeah, recently, yes. Okay. So let's talk about the stock suspension and what you've done for your weight and where it's comfortable for, for you. Again, AER fork is is not bad. It's not a horrible sensation. But if you're a spring fork guy and you like that feel and you know what that feels like, it's hard to mimic that feeling. You've been complaining about your fork for a bit, and although you've been happy at times, it does change. Yeah, and it's one of those I complain, but then if I only ride my bike, I kind of don't really notice it. Right. Then I go ahead and I jump on the Honda, and as soon as I get 30 feet in the desert, I go, oh, that's good. Right. So if this is your bike, Let's talk, hold on, you before it, you, move you don't on, notice. Before you keep going, what do you mean by when you feel you're riding out the desert? Because I know what you mean. Yeah. So tell, them, tell the people out there what kind of test that is riding out to the tracks so riding out to the tracks is that's when you ha- i feel like you have the best feel of the bike right then for me i'm stiff i'm not loose yet so i kind of feel every bump in the road right and uh with the air fork it's the first quarter of the stroke is stiff um it just it translates to your hands a lot every little bump you hit you're like man is my fork even moving you know, and right. then you get on the, I got on the Honda and it just had like a little pillow topper to it. The first part of the stroke moved so well that it took a little bit of the sting out of any square edge bump or little rain rut I was going over on the way to the track. And I was like, okay, now I, every time I go back and forth between a bike, that's when I notice, hey, that's what they're talking about with an air fork and the spring fork. You can notice a difference. Right. Um, it's I more concur, of a like there's like chatter, small chatter that when we ride out to our tracks near where we live, um, there's little rain ruts, this things that you can feel. And I've I've done a lot of my testing and I have this little trail that I lead to some tracks and I get a lot of things done in my mind before I even get to the track, just on light bump absorption because you pick all that up at speed and you can feel that. You can feel how how well a chassis is stu- you know, how much stability it has. You can feel the initial part of the fork, the crust that you're talking about. You can feel all those things. So um, so that is basically what we mean by what you you can feel a lot when going out. And I've also said, you know, in other podcasts, don't second-guess yourself. Usually the first couple laps that you ride are the true feeling that you need to actually think about when you're responding to someone how your bike is. And maybe this little mile, mile-and-a-half trail to this track is your little first couple laps, you know. So – um, so what is your, what is the setting that you came up with, with your heavier shock spring? Now, what fork setting are you running? So, uh, stock, they recommend 10.9 bar. So I've kind of gone between 10.8, 10.9. My happy meat is, I like 11. I'm right. a little heavier. I kind of plow into stuff. There's really not a lot of finesse with me when I'm riding. So, uh, the 11, it was able to hold up in the stroke farther. Uh, if I took 10.9, 10.8, it would the suspension felt even more harsh because I was riding deeper in the stroke when right. I was hitting stuff or coming into corners. Uh, on compression, stock is 15 out. I'm 13 out on the compression right now. Okay. So I went up on air pressure, back the compression off to try to get some of that comfort back in the front fork. Mm-hmm. Rebound stock is 15 out, and right now I am 17 out. So, yeah. So you... Uh... You've tried that. You've liked it at times. I know I've been with you where you're like, yeah, it feels good, no problems. And then other days you're like, yeah, I just I can't corner. 
Yeah, it's it, some of that's me too. But yeah, there there are days I'm feeling mm. good and I feel like oh this bike corner's great. And there's other times when it doesn't. And mostly for me, it's uh, mid to exit of the corner, and that's where going to the rear shock. I've kind of with the heavier spring have really changed some stuff like the uh, the high speed compression. Yeah. Just to get that hold up because exiting corners, whether it be me sliding back, but the front end kind of unloads. There's not much traction and it just feels choppered out coming out of corners. Okay. So for that, you know, I've mostly, I'm at the 105 millimeter sag, mm-hmm. but I've slowly kind of gone in on the uh, high speed compression. Okay. To try, just try to get it to hold up. Right. And stock is two turns out. Right now, I'm a quarter turn out from oh, all wow. the way. Okay. So. And that's actually where I've got it to where it actually keeps some pressure on the front tire exiting corners. Okay. So, uh, and then rebound, we're supposed to be 15 out. I'm 10 out. So I've gone in. Yeah, I've kind of slowed it down so it's not so springy. Kind of Mm -hmm. a little more of a dead feel. Uh, Compression, just your standard compression, 15. I'm actually only six out on that. Okay. So with going in on the high speed, I've kind of backed out the low speed, just kind of give it a little bit of comfort but yet hold up on big bumps or on my exit of corners right uh you've tried before we move on to the fork setting different fork setting mm-hmm. you've tried wp pro components i give you some of my stuff and put it on yes and you what did you feel the difference was in between shocks i didn't notice the okay. shocks all right honestly and that's one thing i tried the shock and when I did it, I felt like it was worse. Like it was even softer than the stock one. Mm-hmm. But I know we had a soft setting in that one. So mm-hmm. I actually, I rode it twice. I ended up putting the stock shock back on and I liked it better. It held up better for me. And I never ended up trying when you went to a stiffer setting, which might have helped. Right. So basically what I want to talk about, what he's talking about. For me, I've always said that I've never really had a problem with the stock shock. Only thing I've really had a problem with on these um, stock WP shocks is fade. It's faded over time in a long moto. It gets hot. So going to a pro component shock, a.k.a. tracks shock, uh, they don't fade as quick. Uh, usually, for me, it has a deader feel, which which I like in a lot of areas. So um, I can run a softer setting with that, and I still get that feeling. So um, what about the fork difference between air fork and the pro component fork? So when I tried the pro component fork, I felt like it regained a little bit of that plushness in the first part of the stroke you know that crust wasn't so hard to break through yeah but my problem came into cornering right and i felt like the bike would not lay over i felt like it was super stable but then i just couldn't get the bike to lay over it's real lazy real slow to lay over so i ended up putting the stock forks back on and later on you found out that the actual fork tubes are longer yeah so so if you're on a new uh pro component fork when i mean new i mean non-black um, cone fork, okay? So the champagne color forks are the new style pro component fork. They are longer than the stock AER forks. So I was running my stuff at 5 mil, but I was still physically longer. And at that time, that you were complaining about, hey, vague feel, I can't lean it, feels lazy. This could be this problem. So recently, when I tried some REP stuff from Mark over there, uh, he said, look, run it at 7.5 up. I'm like, what? Why so high? It's going to be unstable. He's like, no, the fork is longer, which I I think I knew about at one time, but my head's up my ass and I forgot. And 7.5 millimeter is the length that you need to go to if you're on this bike. 
just because and this fork because now you're dealing with measurements from the front tire up to your handlebar and you're going to feel a little bit uh tall a little bit vague so just try your your fork at the third line aka 7.5 mil and that should help which we didn't do which we could have did yeah we we didn't do and even on the stock fork now i've actually gone up to the second line i've been on the first line forever if not i've tried flush and I've actually brought that fork up and regained a little bit of having some comfort in the front tire mm-hmm. and some predictability of knowing what it's going to do. Like with the air fork, my problem is I feel like I don't know what it's going to do. Right. So every time you hit a bump in the track, it can react differently. Or I'm, I'm so confused. Okay, what's it going to do? I start death gripping on the bars because I'm not sure what it's going to do or how I'm going to react to it. Right. So. Um, so Enzo fork that now you're riding with. Yes. Um, it's a KYB conversion fork from a WP. It uses technical touch lugs, which is a KYB lug, KYB inserts, but you're still using WP outers. So I've had that for a, lot, a while. We did that. You can look on my archives on my podcasts where we talk about um, top five things you can do to your, your Husqvarna and your KTM, and that was one of them. So give me a little feedback on that. So I wasn't sure how this fork would perform because I rode your KTM with it on, with it on and I didn't like it. I felt like the bike, I didn't fit me, but at the same time, whole bike, sag, everything set up for you at the time. And you're working with a WP Pro Component Shock on yes. there, and then you have this on there, so maybe it wasn't right And I think part right of it, too, is I weighed a hell of a lot more than you now. Right. Now I got this fork with, with your settings. Off. Yeah, right. it's your settings, and now I'm... A little closer yeah, to your weight. Yeah, 190, right. So uh, we put it on. Yesterday's the first day I got to actually try this fork out, and God, I, I liked it. I didn't know what to expect. I thought I wasn't going to like it when it was on your KTM. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I noticed is it definitely regained that plushness that the air fork does not have. So as soon as I was rolling onto the track, every little bump, I'm like, okay, it didn't feel quite as plush as the stock Honda fork, mm-hmm. but it was a lot better than the air fork. As I was doing some laps and started charging harder in the corners, I'm like, hey, I'm not holding on so tight. Part of that was the front tire kind of stayed glued to the ground. And every time it hit a bump, did anything, I was more sure what it was going to do, how it was going to react. It was the same reaction every time. Yeah, it's just consistent, right? Yeah. So not only is it a little more plush, I'm not hanging on, you know, right. like death grip. Wondering what's going to do. Yeah, what's it going to do? Right. So... Also with the added weight, because with the springs, I don't I don't know, you know how much it adds weight mm-hmm. to the forks? It's about a little over two pounds. So that two pounds to me on that front tire, you feel the front tire grip a little more. I like that little heavy feel on the front tire coming mm-hmm. into corners. Right. Um, exit's where I really noticed it. So it stayed planted on exit. Like I feel like it really followed the ground in ruts and a lot of the acceleration chop coming out. It like followed the ground where the air fork would kind of bump off. It kind of like bump off to the left to the right. Deflect. Yeah, and kind of like searching for some traction. Hut and peck. Hut and peck. Right. And with the spring fork here, it wasn't doing that. It was it was sure it was sure of itself, and it made me sure of what it was doing. Right. So I'm coming into a corner harder, rolling my corners, and accelerating harder because that front end is staying kind of like was glued to the ground. So I'm sold on it. So you would prefer a KYB insert over a Pro WP? Yes. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> I'm. I'm. It's tough for me. At times, I like the cone valve. That's what I'm still calling it. The the fork, a little bit more at times because 
you, you're dropping these KYB inserts in, and all they're good, although they're good, and they're plush, and I like that portion of it. And if you're looking for traction, just like you said, that's great. But it still doesn't feel – you're not going to get a Yamaha feel, people. That's what I think some people are thinking. Oh, I'm going to get that Yamaha feeling plushness. It doesn't happen with a WP outer because the outer is a different diameter than a KYB, a little bit thicker. So you're going to add a little bit rigidity up front, and there's not going to be as much comfort. So WP side of it, the pro component has a lot of control. It holds up for me, and I do like it if you have the right guy setting it up. Just like this KYB conversion, Enzo does a great job. I know Racetech has a conversion that you can try. Uh, then you have this other side of it where you can go get a WP pro component fork and have someone valve it. I just use Mark at A-E-O-R-E-P. That guy was good. There's several options, but you're only as good as the setting that's in your fork. I can't fucking tell you guys enough. You have to set it up, okay? You just can't get a fork, and it's going to be magic. And don't think you're just not going to feel any bumps. I'm going to get a fork, and I'm not supposed to feel those bumps there. You're going to feel bumps, okay? It's just how much you're feeling them. You're going to feel all of them. But it's the feeling through your bars, how much harshness and suppleness that you get. So just make sure you guys get a good suspension company that knows the product. That's the key thing. Racetech's on here for a reason, so I understand if you guys want to go there. But also there is other options that are good too. I'm not here going to sit here and push one brand on you because I know there's a lot of other options as well. But um, you're a B rider, you know, and you have a setting that is made for me on that Enzo stuff. Yep. But I'm a little faster on lighter, so it kind of maybe balances out for you. Yeah, it does. And that's one thing I've – on choosing bikes, I usually get a bike from you. Hey, try this for a week or two. Right. And I ride with your settings. Right. So that's one thing I've noticed with the Husky is, like you said, the, the window of adjustment is a lot wider because I can get on it with your SAG your adjustments, your settings, and ride it and be comfortable. Right. With some other bikes, I can't do that. Yeah. You know, it feels like the bike's just not even for me, and I got to take some time, settings, sag, and all that to get it for me. So that was one thing that drew me to the Husky, too, is just being able to jump on it with sag set for you, everything set for something way lighter, and the bike's still good and feels comfortable. Right. Let's talk about things that you've gone through. Um, I don't know if you have, so I'll rip off a few. Brake pads? Stock brake pads. So you haven't changed them since I gave the bike? I have not changed brake pads. Wow. I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing on the brake pad part, or is that just because you're not using your brakes enough? I'm not, bring, I'm not using them. That's how fast I'm going. You're just rolling Slow, into just things. Just rolling in. Like if you want to brake, I'll just let off the throttle. Yeah, exactly. You don't even <laughs> need brakes. Take them off. Um, we've talked about fuel filters. I replaced one about five hours ago Okay. just because you told me, hey, have you replaced it? No. Right. It would be wise. So I put the filter in. Looked at the old one. There was really no dirt crud. I try to make sure I keep everything as clean as possible going in the tank. So, uh, yeah, there was no crud in it, but I switched it out anyways. Uh, brake pedal spring? Honestly, still on the stock one. Wow, that's yeah. rare. I went through four on the FC350. Yeah, and it, and it doesn't, the brake pedal doesn't care how fast or slow you are, honestly. I yeah. think it goes off of vibration. If there's one thing that I do know going back and forth from bikes is that. The Husqvarna and the KTM vibrate more than the Jap bikes. When I get back on a Honda or a Yamaha or Suzuki Cowie, I don't feel near as much vibration through my feet and my hands as I do on a KTM. But once you ride it, 
a, a little bit. You just get used to it. You don't really notice it. So when you talk to a KTM owner, like, ah, it's fine. Mine don't vibrate. But you have to really compare the vibrations between bikes. But um, that is why that brake pedal ends up snapping, I think, from the pressure as well as just vibration through there. So there's a little – you can use a Honda rear brake pedal screen. It has a condom around it. Or you can just simply buy some – go to you know Home Depot or something and get some tubing or a little rubber, and you can use make your own. It's easy to do. So however you guys want to do it because there's not a lot of differences in the spring itself between the Honda and the KTM. It's just – what is used around it to help the vibration. I think that's what the Honda guys did when they designed that little spring. It's just because, hey, it's vibration, so let's cover it up. So cover up the Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy. Uh, so no other problems, just had that one problem with the Husqvarna, the, what was it, the shift? Yeah, the, the shifting, the locating drum. Yeah, locating shift drum. Yes. Okay. That's the only thing that I've had happen on this bike. Everything else has been good, like I said. Stock brake pads, stock every just oil changes and filters and no clutch. What about clutches? So no clutches. Um, when I did break that uh, locating drum, yeah, I decided ah, I'm in there. Let's throw a clutch in there. Right. Put a clutch in there and rubbers. Took mine out. Some of the rubbers were cracked. Yep. But the clutch, of course, looked brand new. So I bagged it up and it's first. Spare. Dude, there's that's probably the strongest clutch there is on all those bikes. I can get. 10 max maybe 14 hours on a yamaha clutch ktm clutch i'm at hour 23 same clutch so yeah i went 52 on i mine think it's about it time for mine longer. to do it but i'm harder on clutches than you are yes. and but if i can get 23 hours on a clutch that's damn good and you're right i've had my rubbers break or crack yep they don't go anywhere. They can't go anywhere yeah exactly it's just one of those things you don't really notice until you it's a good thing to check Pull your clutch out when it's time for clutch. Right. Look at the rubbers, and most likely there could be one or two that are cracked. They're never falling apart, but they just just crack. You know what I don't like? What do you not like? Clutch levers. They're a bitch to change, dude. That that little spring in the front. Do you have that on the Husqvarna too? I haven't. So done anything KTM with it. owners, you know what I'm talking about. There's like a little tiny little spring guy in the front of the lever where it goes in, so it makes it go smack. You you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have that on the Husqvarna? I don't know on mine, but I, I know think from you changing do. yours. Yeah, you think you do. So um, the levers are different between the two brands. Yes. But they still use that tiny little spring, and there's just so many moving parts. There's a spacer that goes in there. There's the pivot. Uh, it's a pain in the ass. And sometimes when you don't know that as a, as a guy, the spring leaves. You're like, bing, and you don't even know it's there. And you go to put your lever out, you're like, oh, I'm missing something. Yeah. Well, it's that spring. It just falls and bails on you. And then inside that little fucking spring – there's a little plastic rod in the that middle of it. Goes right. in that thing. There's, I'm like, dude, so I don't know how many times I've turned my bikes in. They're like, hey, man, what's your clutch little lever return spring? I didn't even know I had one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so just clean that up, Husqvarna. Hey, something else on. So we go back to clutches here. Yeah. So uh, if you're used to Japanese models, one thing you will notice when you do KTM and Husky is they start and end with a metal plate, not a fiber. Oh. And the other thing is when you're pulling the clutch out, there's these little dowels about the thickness of the whole uh, stack. Yeah. Pull those out first. When I did the 350, the first time I did it, I pulled the whole clutch pack out. Yeah. One of those fell down into the motor, and I went, oh, uh. Andy's going to be pissed. Are you kidding me? Luckily, it fell through. I pulled the stator side out, and it was stuck to the magnet. Uh, but that's just something you're just used to pulling all the the, the clutch right. pack out together. Right. Well, these things kind of float in there like these dowels. So just make sure you pull those out, set them aside, so you don't drop one in the motor. Yep. Uh, 
tires. We've been using, we've been testing some different stuff. Yeah, I've been Dunlops. But you're on a 110 times too? Yeah, I've actually gone to the 110. I've liked it a lot. It's just the bike's a little easier to roll over for me. Mm -hmm. To where with uh, when you have a 120, I feel like it takes a little more effort for me to roll over. And I'll sacrifice a little traction for that easeability of rolling over coming into corners. So I've been on a 110. I've been on Hoosiers. I've had Pirellis on there right now. I never asked you that, but what do you like? Um, I like the comfort of the uh, Hoosiers. Uh-huh. Like I feel like it adds just a little bit of suspension softness because uh, the sidewell, yep. yeah, is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you haven't had much time on Pirellis, have you? A little bit. I had one set on there, but mostly on the Honda. I ran the Pirellis, which yep. same thing has a really soft feeling sidewall. So I didn't notice any rolling over, but just hitting square edge bumps, it kind of took a little bit of the sting out. Right. Right now, I'm doing a uh, ride day special. I have a Dunlop front and a Michelin rear. Okay. Just to it. make Randy Richardson happy. A 33 front or 3S? 3S. Okay, good. 3S on the front and yep. then Michelin medium on the rear. How's that? Not bad. I like the soft better for traction, but so far, this medium is lasting longer than a soft would. I've got six hours on it right now, and I have no signs of changing it. No soon. chunking? No chunking yet. Mm. A lot of these guys, I get a lot of emails too like hey i chunk my tires at so and so hours but man you got to understand like if you get a soft it's meant for soft to intermediate conditions it's not meant for rocks and shale you're going to chunk yeah. it you're going to tear it so if it's tearing and you're on the same track for 10 hours and you're chunking then i would be suspect but uh for me like you got to get the right tire if you're running you know hard pack sometimes and then softs sometimes you need to get a medium plain and simple it's if you want it to last. So it's, yeah, and uh, right now the dirt's so good that you're not riding right. anything too hard or rocky right now. So, right. but off road guys soon. are yeah, like oh man, what should I run? I go, you gotta run a medium. Yeah, the medium. I've run a medium before in the past, and it lasts a lot longer. And I never had one chunk. It's almost like hey, the knobs are getting rounded now. It's time. Right. Uh, it's never been due to one chunking off on the mediums. Okay, so sixty three hours, two thousand twenty FC four fifty. That's the lowdown on it. Still running good. Haven't even did a top end, haven't done nothing, haven't checked the valves. Nope. And you know one of the reasons I haven't is just because Joe had what's Joe have on his KTM? What do you mean? Oh, hours wise? Yeah, he's like a hundred and something. Yeah. Hundred and something, no issues. So that's one thing that made me feel more comforting about the Husqvarna. And you know, last year you put what, eighty, ninety hours on your test bike? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not riding near your guys' level. So it starts easy, starts every time, hot, cold, doesn't matter. So Never had a battery failure. Nope, stock battery. I notice when it is cold, it's a little slow, but yeah. No issues at all. I might check the valves in maybe another 20 hours or so, but all in, why yeah, now? All is good. So there you go. So a lot of you guys out there, oh, I don't know if I want to buy a KTM or a Husqvarna because of uh, reliability. They've come a long way. Same thing with a lot of other brands, but especially Husqvarna and KTM. Very reliable bikes. I've had, personally, I've only had a few problems with mine. Mine had a relay go out in one of mine. Um, that's honestly, that's basically it besides going through clutches and things like, and I think one battery issue, but I think that had something to do with the relay. We were, you know, misdiagnosing. So, uh, yeah, really good. Brake pads last a long time. They do squeak out of other bikes. I've noticed that I squeak more KTM brakes and Husqvarna brakes than others, more so KTM side than Husqvarna, but, uh, very strong well-built brakes of course 
probably one of the even the Magura stuff is good, dude. It's that's one thing when I went to ride in that Honda. Yeah, I was like, God, these brakes are so much better. They more stopping power, I feel like, but then it's so controllable. Yeah, you know, to where I'm getting tired and I can still modulate the front brake very well in corners, even when I'm tired. So. And even the stupid little things like, and I know I talk shit on the clutch lever, but like you can adjust it with a little knob. Yes. Super easy. I bring mine way in just so I'm not way out there. So even right. when I'm tired, it's right here. And I mean, if I had to grab a handful, like coming in Mach 10, it'd probably be hard. But for my speed, I, I love even on the clutch, how you can adjust both of them yep. to where you need them. And the brake, it's bitching, you know, they can do that. So yeah, there's a lot of good points to the Husqvarna guys. I know, some of you say, "Who? Oh, which one should I get?" It's it's a it's a toss up, honestly. I know the Husqvarna between the Husqvarna and the KTM swing arm, muffler, and subframe is different. I've always liked, and you guys know, I purchased a Husqvarna. I like the comfort of a Husqvarna a little bit more than the KTM. Bump absorption for me is a little better. Some of you out there say, "Oh, I I've broken four or five subframes." I I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you guys. I haven't broken one. You haven't broken one. You nope, were 210, 20 pounds. Yeah, and mm. I get lazy and just freaking try to seat bounce some stuff. And I, I mean, I'm, I even had a bike land on my bike and mess some stuff up and subframes. Yeah, fine. so, I mean, like I said, 80 hours on my other bike, haven't had a problem with subframes. So, again, there's always some kind of different reasons why things break. You know, you could be one that's just sometimes you get a lemon. Let's face it. It shit happens, you know. If you broke four subframes, I don't know what to tell you, man. It's it's just it's a weird thing. It's a freak thing. Unless the way how much you weigh or how you ride, I I have no idea. I know A Ray broke a few in Supercross. Some other riders have too, but past that, I haven't seen it in the normal consumer world. So, um, all right. So to wrap this thing up, FC four fifty sixty three hours. Some of those are quarantined hours. Yeah, quarantine. Yes, they are quarantined hours. Um, you're still working. I am still working. You're essential. You're an electrician, so you're essential. I am essential. And freeways are nice right now. Freeways are nice. With the non-essentials off the road. Uh, everyone's talking about all this shit all the time, blah, 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 but what do you feel about it? I'm just living my life. You don't care? No, it's uh, it's so hard to know what to believe, so I just try to do my thing. It hasn't affected my life so much. I still go ride dirt bikes. Luckily, we live where we live, right? Yeah, exactly. We we get to do that. And as you've seen, there's a lot of people capitalizing on extra free time right now because I've never seen Honda Valley and all these deserts as packed as they are right now. If people right. out having fun, just trying to forget about what's going on. Right. So you guys need to stay safe. Do what you got to do. Hopefully, this thing ends fairly soon. I think we have an order until May 15th to uh, be quarantined. Hopefully, that'll end. We'll get back to racing. Hopefully outdoors, because my plan was to race this year, and um, I'm currently selling one of my bikes that I bought, Yamaha, because I don't know what the hell is going on, so no no sense to keep it. So that's getting sold. 2021s will arrive in May, June. Uh, this whole COVID thing hasn't really pushed back production that much from what I hear, so normal schedule programming there, but you know we'll have to... Uh, Take it as it comes because that could change as well. So this thing keeps lasting. So anyway, out there, thank you guys for supporting this podcast and, of course, these advertisers. If you guys are wondering what the hell that thing was on the beginning of the show, 
Those are just some <laughs> those are some fine sound drops of this man right here. Dropping it. I, I don't know how we stumbled across this, but we heard it and I made me laugh so hard I go, man, I gotta make this the opening of the show. So it's it's great. And it's I actually time stamped another one I want to grab too. Oh, what you did. Great. No, I don't know about this next one. <laughs> it's great. I got it time stamped. So uh thank you guys for supporting the show. Advertisers, if you guys are looking for deals, hit me up, Chris at keyforinktesting.com. We built this freaking whole business to help you guys out. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, we're not getting rich off this thing. We just want to help you guys out. We love dirt bikes, and that's why we are in this industry. So please use it. Spread the word. Tell others. And what that does for us, you know, it helps our uh, our advertisers. It, t- it shows them that you're listening to the show, and it's working, and you guys are buying the products that I believe in. So um, that's why we're here. Matt, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being essential and giving us electricity. You're, you're welcome. You're going to have to go to uh, Steve's here soon and get his jacuzzi going. Oh, that's right. We're already working on a... I think you're going pot. up with me on the 27th. Oh, first time I heard about that. Well, I'm on the show the 27th, and he said something about jacuzzi. Andy Jefferson's coming with me on the show. Really? We have a little Andy Jefferson. If you guys know wow. who Andy is, he's a former factory Husqvarna rider. Now he works for Husqvarna. Supercross guy back his whole gear outfit was sick. Have you seen him? Yeah, yeah. All white, you know, his open face helmet. If it's all white, you're in no matter what. And that beautiful black skin of his against the all white, white gear. gear just oh, really man, that's great. It. I love Looks it. Good. That's right. So, um, all right. Well, thank you guys for listening. If you guys have any questions, talk to Matt at the the track. If he looks yep. angry, okay. Hold on. <laughs> Drop. I it. was almost going to bail on this podcast. But <laughs> Not anymore. Say, if you see Matt. You know, you can't mess his last name. If you if a, if you go past the guy or he go past you and it looks like vagina, that's probably my guy over vagina. here. Vagina, <laughs> Sir V A A G. You guys are probably thinking vagina when you see that. If you if you see him in the back of his truck and he looks red, just give him ten minutes. He needs ten minutes to chill. Sometimes he doesn't ride like how he wants to ride, and he's very very angry. So we just back away from him. We don't talk to him. Let him calm down. And he's a new guy after ten minutes. So we yep. call him ten minute Vaj because you got to give him. A few. Just ease up a little bit. As soon as I pull off the track, leave me alone for five to ten, and then, and then I'm good. You're very calm normally. Yes. But then once it's unleashed, just watch your ass because it's it's pretty bad. Things are flying around. <laughs> yep. Not as bad as Heather looking for Oreo, but. No, no not that bad. <laughs> All right, guys. See you on the next one. <laughs>